Welcome to Tuning In. I'm Terry. And I'm Kenzie. And we're here with episode 22 since our last uh, appearance on in August 8th, I believe was the last time. Okay, like a little over two months. It's fine. Yeah. You did say, I remember in there, we'll see you in the fall and you nailed it. So. Oh my gosh, I did. You know, I knew it was going to happen. I feel like the timeline and, you know, I moved and I'm all settled in and yeah, it's been a busy, uh, was a very busy late August, September. So yeah, you're, you're back to work and so, yeah, yeah we're ready though. I've been thinking about this and eventually <laughs> not <laughs> the thought was there about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, I mean, I guess before we jump into it, have you been the last two months, have you been listening to anything new or doing anything exciting? Yeah, so I let's see. I picked Lindsey Buckingham of Fleetwood Mac. I like. I like his solo albums. Some oh, of, some of the songs are really weird, and he's very experimental. Mm-hmm. Um, super innovative guy, and so some of them I just you know they're not that interesting. Uh, or yeah, I shouldn't say that. They're very interesting. I just not some of them aren't. I don't think are real listenable, and other ones are just fantastic. I'm just okay, really, you know, because he's always tinkering with stuff, and I think sometimes you know you just when you tinker with stuff, sometimes you probably do too much. But he just does some amazing, has some amazing music. And so he's got a new album out. And I'd say I like half of it a lot. <laughs> the other half is kind of usually what he does. And it's just kind of does all sorts of different things. And some yeah. are listenable and others. That being said, I've kind of been in and out with his music, just listening to it over the years. So I put together a, a playlist of all my favorite stuff. You know, he's has a solo album here and there, aside from Fleetwood Mac and all that since i think 1980 and i was gonna say because he's always kind of done his own thing a little bit right yeah off to the side and he got kicked out of fleetwood mac and so and all that uh, years ago and, and i'm sure he'll rejoin that they always get back together a lot of drama yeah. there but anyway so uh i put together a real cool playlist of that and so i've been listening to him new stuff old stuff it's been kind of cool and uh you know my band towed the wet sprocket new album good good most of it are found on my regular <laughs> rotation. And uh, let's see, War on Drugs has a new album coming out here. Oh, I like them. Week, I think. So they, they released a couple new songs, and one of them I really like. And the other one's pretty standard, what they've done in the last couple albums. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm anxious to hear the rest of it. Um, heard a new Adele song. I'm not a huge Adele fan, but it sounds like that went to the top of the charts and you know mm-hmm. we listened to that the other night and you know it sounds it just kind of keeps doing what she's doing it sounded really good you know it's gonna be a sad album but why is it sad it's about her divorce oh i didn't know she was married so okay oh not anymore so well, um <laughs> i guess i shouldn't laugh at that um but yeah probably one of many sad songs so yeah. but she kills it she kills a sad song so yeah. kudos and we all know <laughs> i'm a sucker for a sad song yeah. can't stop talking about it i thought usually yeah you know stuff like that usually powers hit hit records true yeah yeah so what do you well, been to do um well nothing new but i did go to a interesting concert um <laughs> um tell our viewers about um our listeners i guess um story yes um so i 
really like the red hot chili peppers. I mean, it's definitely one that's kind of in the shadows. I listen to them. I feel like I listened to them growing up, but nothing extensive. And so kind of got on a concert kick, um, really just wanted to, you know, start seeing some people live again. And so I saw that the red hot chili peppers was going on tour again, probably, I don't know, about a month ago. Um, and I was so excited and I (laughs) messaged my cousin. I was like, we have to go. Like, it's, it's amazing deal. They're in town. It looks like they're just like here for a night. Like we have to go. And she was like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like how are, you know, we might as well, the tickets were $12. (laughs) And I was like, this is fantastic. Like didn't even think twice about it. So I bought the tickets. It was a Thursday night. We were so excited about two days before that. Um, you, I was bragging to you about how I was going to this concert. And then you were like, are you sure it's not like a cover band? And I was like, there's no way there's no way it's red hot chili peppers. It's in huge, bold writing on this picture. Let me show you. I pull up my phone. Turns out to be the red, not chili peppers, the number one red hot chili band cover band. Um, I, th- I think I said their name wrong, but whatever. It's the number one cover band for them. Um, and so, you know what? It was like a day or two before and I went to the concert and they were great. They were great. Um, but it was just like such a funny story because <laughs> it was just in all bold red, not chili peppers and um i had i had no clue i had no clue um but they were great they had a great opener band called i think sweet and juicy we really liked them too so i would recommend this cover band if they come to a town near you put on a good show and sweet and juicy dresses up like different fruits isn't that is it yeah their guitar or their bassist is a banana Mm-hmm. Their keyboardist slash, I think he would probably be like a lead singer, mm-hmm. is their um, strawberry. And then the drummer is a pineapple. <laughs> their trio? What? Their trio? Yeah, they're a trio. They're a good time. And their music actually is pretty good. They're a guitarist? Uh, like it's just bass? bass Maybe he's guitarist. I, from what I can remember, it seemed like a bassist. But if uh-huh. there's no guitarist, he's probably a guitarist. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, that was a good time. I went to San Francisco recently and saw Luke Combs in concert again. And yeah, looking forward to hopefully some more live concerts in the future. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that was a great story. Was... Yeah. <laughs> I just am kind of mad, upset, but also not upset that you had told me ahead of time, because I think it would have been funnier if I showed up to the venue thinking that I was seeing them and realizing in that moment, but <laughs> I was really wrong. not seeing the red hot chili peppers. Oh, fun fact though. They're going on tour. Oh, okay. They announced their tour like a week ago for $112 a seat, right? <laughs> I'm just so mad. I'm like the timing, like three weeks prior, I was thought I had it in the bag. <laughs> well, you can compare if you go to that one. True. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, I just wanted to share <laughs> that funny story. That, story. that was awesome. Um, yeah. But we've got Prince and we've got Zach Brown band for anyone who forgot. Kind of a, 
a very weird mix uh per usual i would say so i guess i can get started on prince here yeah and fill me in because i know some yeah you really don't know much though right never a prince album listener uh just kind of rode the wave through the 80s with the mtv stuff and you know what was on the radio and that was about it so i'm curious well spoiler alert there's 39 albums so please go over (laughs) each one in detail track by track i I have extensive notes for each one great (laughs) (laughs) um so he was born on june 7th 1958 in minneapolis minnesota and a fun fact about him is that he never really left minnesota like he kind of stayed in the area for if not all of his life most of his life There might have been some here and there where I'm sure he moved around, but everyone said that he was kind of an icon because he was someone that I think a lot of people in Minnesota looked up to. And he was also crazy fashion, like all of that, that I'll kind of get into, like that was not really the norm in that city or state at the time. So he was really born as his name's Prince in real life. Um, so Prince Rogers Nelson, his dad named him that after, um, his stage name or something like that, like a band that he liked. And so his father was a musician who's, oh, sorry. His father's stage name was Prince Rogers and he performed in the Prince Rogers band. So then when they had Prince, (laughs) they named him Prince Rogers. Um, So his parents split up when he was 10 and he ran away to live with their neighbors. I didn't really get more information on that, but I'm not sure if he stayed with them forever, but he started a band with one of the family members, Andre Anderson, and then Morris Day as well. And when he was a child, he actually suffered from epileptic seizures. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's something he kind of would open up about casually, But he said, early in my career, I tried to compensate them by being as flashy and as noisy as I could. So I think that probably a lot of who he is as a musician kind of stemmed early on from these seizures and trying to kind of act, you know, a little flashy, like he said, and noisy to compensate for it. So I thought that was really interesting. And then in 1984, he released Purple Rain, which everybody knows even if you don't know and it's still his number one song and it was the soundtrack to the film purple rain so it's kind of interesting because many of his songs are really explicit or at least had explicit innuendos and he kind of went back and forth and a lot of people were really confused because he also had a lot of songs that had a lot of religious undertones or we're talking about religion And so people were kind of confused because it was a really big mix of like polar opposites, basically. And what's interesting is um, Al Gore, his wife was listening to Purple Rain. And this was before albums had that little thing in the corner that says like explicit content, you know? And so Al Gore's wife was like really upset because she didn't know that she was getting explicit content. So she kind of started the wave of that and she made the push for the explicit content mark on an album. I don't remember that. Not so much connected to Prince, but that movement. Yeah. Yeah. So Al Gore's wife, fun fact. 
Um, and then by, by 1980, he dropped his 10th album, um, Dirty Minds, which was on par with kind of the other ones for being pretty sexually explorative. And so after that next album, he was not only known for his sexual songs, but then that deep spirituality as well. Um, and so that's when he really started to kind of gain somewhat of a, I guess, reputation, like, you know, 10 albums in, definitely people knew who he was. And he was in a band called Revolution at the time, and they broke up. And he kind of consolidated all of his solo work into an album in 1987. And that one was a lot more about like social issues going on. And then his 11th album was the soundtrack to Batman in 1989. And I read kind of a fun fact about that, that like, you know, I'm sure he was excited to uh, do something for Batman, but he also was like really attracted to one of the actresses. So he was like, yeah, sure. Like I'll do the album. And I don't know if anything came from it, but he got to work a little closely with her more than he probably would have beforehand. Um, but then in the 1990s, he formed a band called the new power generation. And that was more like R and B hip hop, soul, and jazz kind of still toyed around with the ideas of sexuality, but a lot of like gender norms and all of that kind of dove into maybe some more of those social issues that people weren't necessarily talking about at the time. And so in 1992, he signed a hundred million dollar deal with Warner bros, which was the biggest deal in history. Actually, it was like higher pain than Madonna or Michael Jackson, which is kind of interesting. Um, they were paid, I think like $60 million. So for a hundred million dollars more than, or not more, but still big deal, big deal. And he did a lot of collaborations and he actually wrote the song Manic Monday for the Bengals. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't know about that. Like he wrote a lot of songs for different people. And I thought that that was, I mean, it's not out of character for a lot of really talented musicians. Like I know, I think Justin Timberlake does that for a lot of people, you know, but I feel like everybody kind of knows Manic Monday. So then his albums during that time didn't do as well. I feel like this is kind of a section where he started to not like go downhill, but it just, it wasn't a writing that high that he had kind of been writing. So his albums weren't doing any well. And then he got a lot of tension between him and Warner Bros, which kind of is an ongoing theme with him. Um, and then this part was very interesting to me. So he changed his name from 1993 to 2000 he changed his name to um it's not a name or it's not like speakable it's, it's yeah. what it's just a symbol wasn't it yeah it's the letter o like the beginning of a parentheses plus sign the like less than and i apparently it's the astrological symbols of both man and woman so i don't know do you know anything about um Oh, who's the guy that makes Teslas? Musk. Elon Musk. Did you ever hear like what they named their child? I know it's not one that you'd see in most on elementary. You can't school. pronounce was... it either. Yeah. It just, that's what it reminded me of because, and I wonder if maybe they got some inspiration from Prince on that. Like maybe it's something that celebrities do, but just kind of reminded me of it because 
sure it's like a nice mix of symbols and stuff, but <laughs> just yeah. no idea. So people, what? <laughs> a teacher's nightmare. <laughs> Literally. Good thing he was cool. out of school at that time. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of funny because people had no idea how to go about it. So people just called him the artist formerly known as Prince. Yeah. Um, so that ended in 2000, um, but he started writing, or I guess he kind of went through a phase two when he was going through this like hatred for Warner brothers, he started writing the word slave down the side of his face to show his like hatred for Warner brothers. And he left them in 1996 and released an album called emancipation. And I didn't read too much into why they had all these ties, but I feel like you know, with a, a label, I'm sure things were just not going the same way as he was looking at for it. So he released two more albums, kind of stayed out of the limelight for a bit and then rejoined the limelight in 2004 and did a Grammys performance with Beyonce and also got welcomed into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at that time too. So he went on a top selling tour. He won two Grammys. So I feel like this is when he all of a sudden kind of started to skyrocket again. And so kind of mid, I mean, sorry, early 2000s, his name was Prince again. Um, he performed at the Super Bowl halftime show in 2007. Um, and that was really interesting. I watched some highlights on that. It was pouring down rain. Do you remember watching it? Yeah, I remember watching. I remember it was really good. Yeah, like it was really interesting because I didn't, I kind of didn't watch a lot of his live stuff until um earlier today when I was trying to kind of get a good feel for how he performed that way and I was watching the halftime show and everyone was so impressed because he was wearing these like high heels and or at least like these really tall boots and it was pouring down rain and he was on like a slippery stage and he didn't fall so it's pretty impressive yeah um so 2010 uh, was a really big year for him. He I was, what is the word that they use? Lauded, but I don't know. Billboard.com saw him as the greatest Super Bowl performer ever, but he was also featured in Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World. Then he also earned a Lifetime Achievement Award from the BET Awards. And then he also got inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. So 2010 was a good year for him and then that was also kind of around the same time when online music became a little bit more shareable people could stream it and people weren't really getting paid for it so he was a little upset that he wasn't getting the proper compensation for his recognition and have you ever heard of title mm-hmm. i've heard of it t-i-d-a-l right title mm-hmm. yeah i have i don't know anything about or i mean i've heard of it but It was Jay-Z actually tried to start it um, or he did start it and it was an app or like a website that I think people gained some sort of compensation that was deserved. So like you could put your album only on title. So like people, if it came out, they're like, oh, I have to pay for this app, you know, to get comp or whatever to listen to it. So I remember Beyonce put her Lemonade album on there originally, and I was so upset because I wanted to listen to it so bad, but I didn't want to pay for title. Yeah. And so I guess that's unfair of me because I should give 
for the props I give her in my real life, I should probably pay for her app. But anyways, he put his stuff on title. He got like all of his stuff removed from the web. And, uh, I think finally got, I guess the compensation that he deserved. So then this is kind of when things started going around his death in 2016. So in 2016, he was on a plane and they ended up having to do like an emergency landing. And they said it was because he had a severe case of the flu, but it was actually a Percocet overdose. And then it was mainly due because he was having this hip pain and like doing so much performing that on stage, you would never know. But, you know, behind the scenes, he was in so much pain and had to get some surgeries and someone was administering this medication to him. And then a week later, after that, he had to land the plane. He was found dead in his apartment on April 21st in 2016. And that one was an accidental overdose from self-administered fentanyl overdose, which he was taking... What was it? I don't remember what he was supposed to be taking. I think it was just like Vicodin, but it was laced with fentanyl. And um, yeah, so it was pretty sad just because I think he was just taking it casually or I don't know if he was overdosing, who knows. But they kind of investigated it for like two years because they weren't sure if the doctor did it or when it, you know, who ended up lacing it with fentanyl, but nobody ended up getting charged for it. Um, I don't know if they ever figured it out, but he was in Minnesota at the time still, and they actually ended up opening some sort of museum out of his apartment. And then, yeah, that's kind of the end of it. Um, but I brought some like interesting facts about him. Um, so he was really private about his personal life. He kind of dated women off and on. Um, he got married in 1996 to one of his backup dancers and then had a son in October of 1996, but it ended up dying a week later from a rare genetic disorder, which is pretty sad. And then the couple ended up getting divorced in 1999. And then in 2001, he married someone from one of his charitable organizations. And then the two of them got divorced in 2006. And then after the divorce, he got into a relationship with one of his musical protégés, singer Bria Valentine or Valente. I don't know. But so I'm not sure if they were dating when he died or kind of what the situation was there. But it was interesting because a lot of people thought that he might be gay or just kind of based off of stereotypes and like the way he dressed and all of that. But like he never said anything about it. He was actually pretty religious. And I don't think, I mean, you know, that's kind of like a line that someone can cross on their own, but I think that he just never really was like, yeah, I just dressed the way I dress, you know, and married to a woman and didn't really have anything to say about it. I think he was just cool with anything. And so I think it was just a lot of up to people's interpretation on like their, I'm trying to think of the word but just what people thought of him, you know, like people had their own ideas. And so I thought that that was a really interesting part about him that he just had like such cool fashion and like literally didn't care what anybody thought. And he was, um, only five, two. 
and he wore a lot of heels to like compensate and he wore like a pretty small size shoe too. Like he was just a small person, but everybody was so amazed by like his theatrics and his glitz and his glamour. Um, and he was actually a Jehovah's witness also interesting fact. Um, and he became a Jehovah witness in 2001 and he had always kind of had, you know, of course those like religious undertones in his music, but it always kind of left people really confused. Um, and this is kind of backtracking a little bit, but he had started writing a memoir with his brother in 2016 before he passed. And then his brother was able to help finish it by 2019. So there is a book out about that. And then they ended up airing a tribute concert to him afterwards and big thing there. I know Justin Timberlake gave him a tribute during the 2018 Super Bowl. And that was really interesting because someone did a interview with him earlier on and was like, hey, you know, this is becoming a thing. People can do like holograms and all of that with like new technology. You know, if you were to die, like, how would you feel about that? And he was like, no, like, that is so creepy to me. That is so demonic. Like, do not like that. So then people were kind of on edge when he put prints on a projector at the Super Bowl halftime show. But since he wasn't like a hologram and he talked to his sister about it, he said, or she said, as long as it's done really well, then that's fine. But I think a lot of people were like, he didn't, he wouldn't have wanted that. So I don't know, up to interpretation, but yeah. So it was just some fun facts. He had 39 studio albums. Um, he was just always known for being, you know, a good performer. He had his theatrics, um, kind of wrote his own songs. And these are a lot of quotes from other people, but just, you know, kind of thoughts of him after he died. Like he wasn't afraid to be sexual and move away from like gender conformity, but his fashion sense had no rules and he was kind of rebellious, but also like a really strong black artist at the time as well. And a quote from him said, a strong spirit transcends rules. So I think that that kind of sums up like a lot of his, just who he is as a performer and an artist. And it was really cool to kind of see that in his work and someone, I'll leave it on this quote, which I think kind of sums him up pretty well, which I can't remember who said this. But they said, he embodies the antics and discipline of James Brown mixed with the guitar virtuoso of Jimi Hendrix and every woman diva singer rolled into one and he makes it all his own. You can be a great songwriter. You can be, be a great musician. You can be a great lyricist, a great performer, a great dancer, guitar player. You can be a great singer and you can do it all in high heels. But he was great at all of those. So everyone just had like nothing but great things to say about him. And I liked his music a lot. I thought it was kind of funky and cool. And I actually really liked this assignment. It was really interesting to learn about him because it wasn't drama, you know, and all of his music is different. Like when I put it on shuffle, it's just a range of tones, a range of styles of songs. Like it was, it just kept me on my toes. What stood out? What, what songs stand out? Oh, he has one called like When Doves Cry or something. Uh, Let me look yeah. it up. When Doves Fly. I remember that. Actually. It's actually Cry. Um, oh, they are? Really? Oh. Yeah. When Doves Cry. I feel like, okay. Um, and then, I mean, these are top songs, but I 
they kind of kept coming up on shuffle. I actually really liked them. So when doves cry and raspberry beret, good songs. Yeah. Yeah. Those are videos. And that was the MTV hits, you know, at the time too. Those Mm -hmm. ones I know. Yeah. Yeah. 1999. um, You'd like that one. Yeah. Um, what was it purple rain there's one called let's go crazy i kind of like that. that's one of his top songs too i can't remember if i liked that one or not yeah. i think i did i don't know too many songs i'll be honest i yeah. a few others i recognize but those are the ones that stand out to be honest so i never bought a prince album or probably i never listened to a whole prince album i don't think yeah um, hmm. well now you know I know he uh, was a good basketball player too. At five two, you're kind of you know your NBA <laughs> chances are pretty limited. But yeah, you know he could play basketball pretty well. Um, yeah, is one of his backup singers. Let's see, one of his backup singers is uh, from Portland. Uh, oh really? Liv Warfield, and oh. she formed a group with Nancy Wilson of Heart. Oh, cool. Side group. And so she does some singing. They have one album. And so she was kind of the lead singer of Nancy Wilson's side project and done some stuff with her. And she's really good. And so I guess she was a backup singer at some point, you know, with Prince and a little Oregon tie there. But uh, yeah, that's cool. A little representation. I enjoyed the assignment. I, I thought you would. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought. I think I had never dove into him before. You know, I didn't grow up listening to his music. And so I wasn't sure where to start. But this is one that I really had no influence over, which was actually kind of nice to kind of just start on a a fresh, clean slate, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I decided to give it to you because I thought you'd like the music. And it's interesting. And it's one, like I said, I didn't know very well, but it was well, big in that in when I was growing up. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, you know what? The person I'm going to give you for next week, I feel the same. I don't know anything about their background, really. Okay. So, yeah. Interesting. Well, I'll tell you about the Zach Brown band. Let's hear it. They're a band. It's not just Zach Brown. So they've, you know, Zach's the lead vocal and guitarist. He's got Jimmy D. Martini on the fiddle, which uh, is a key instrument there in this band. He's got a multi-instrumentalist that just does about everything in the kitchen sink, John Driscoll Hopkins and Coy Bowles, who are all real key members, and Chris Fryer on drums, Clay Crook, Cook on guitar and keys, Matt Margano on bass, and Daniel Delos Reyes, I believe, on percussion. So the band's expanded over time. I was going to say a big band. Yeah, I didn't know that there were that many. So actually, they started out as a trio, uh, Zach and two other guys that aren't with this current arrangement. Hmm. You know, and then they were just uh, doing the local circuits in Georgia. And then Zach opened with his dad a, um, what was it, a restaurant called Zach's Place in Georgia. And Zach had gone to Georgia, was it Western Georgia, I think, state or something like that. I think it was Western Georgia State College or, and was had kind of fallen in love with music at the time but he had got this restaurant going and maybe it was going to go that way but the idea was to bring in musical talent to this restaurant and so maybe they'll launch his career too I don't know but anyway they sold it not too long after a developer bought it and so he bought a tour bus Zach did and went full-time into music 
And so he did that and kind of toured around and put an independent album out called Homegrown. Not the song, but actually mm-hmm. an album called that that it's not even on Spotify, you know, it's just kind of an, a local independently funded type thing. And then that was about the time that D Martini was added to the band, but he wanted Zach wanted to have a lead instrument besides just a guitar, kind of something that threaded all throughout, which was a fiddle, because at the time he didn't have that. And so they continued to grow and change with this current lineup all through the years, you know, and at some point they kind of stabilized, but so back, it took till 2008 to see the the restaurant was about 2004 and the tour bus and all that. And then 2008, they de- debuted, they got signed and the foundation, the album. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, it's not self-titled, but, you know, at least it kind of marks <laughs> it. You know, so I'll give them a few points. And, okay. and so there was a song from 2003 that they recorded. It might have, it was probably on the uh, homegrown independent album called chicken fried so they re-recorded that so zach gave the song chicken fried before all this to another group so anyhow uh chicken fried was uh released in 2008 by the zach brown band on their first album so this uh first album had whatever it is chicken fried and then the song toes so pretty popular songs yeah those are all big yeah and you know his Music was pretty, on that album, pretty standard country, kind of straight ahead. They got a pretty good following for, you know, fans that really like that thing and that genre. And then he followed it up, you know, and they got into the touring and all that. In 2010, released the uh, You Get What You Give LP, and that was nominated actually for their country album of the year. So they had the hits with Alan Jackson as she's walking away, Colder Weather and Knee Deep. And again, it was pretty similar to that first album and he's had a pretty good formula of what he wanted to you know the type of music he wanted to put out and so you know the fans of Zach Brown at this point that's kind of what they would expect that's what they wanted you know so turning the page is that quieter <laughs> yeah that was so quiet no I didn't even hear it <laughs> oh good okay so so anyway the album is good review had good reviews you know it's got solid consistent um some of the quotes were winsome country rock style without undue meddling from the major level label meteorocracy that was the hartford current newspaper yeah it's basically it's just kind of straightforward country country without the record label getting in and tinkering with it um so yeah it was one of the best country albums of the year so then he uh, released in 2012 on Cage. He's got a pretty good pattern of releasing albums every two or three years. Hmm. And so Zach said, this album is basically your country, southern rock, bluegrass, reggae, jam record. <laughs> so <he's laughs> dabbling a little bit more um, experimental on this one. Not too way out. But, you know, but it mostly were positive reviews. Um Although one stated it sounded more caged than uncaged. <laughs> so it didn't feel like it was, it was still kind of confined. And there was kind of conflicting reviews on this. Hmm. Yeah, the uh, songs Jump Right In, The Wind, and Goodbye In Her Eyes. And it did well. So then came the Jekyll and Hyde album in 2015. And he started spreading his wings a little bit on this. And uh, had a song called Homegrown at that point. And then my favorite 
song of his is with Chris Cornell, who used to be a sound garden in the 90s and uh, kind of a grunge band. And it was heavy as the head. You know that one? Classic. I know. I don't know that song. <laughs> and of course, that's your favorite. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty heavy song. So I, the only video. Yeah, Homegrown is my favorite. Is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that was a good song. I also had Beautiful Drug. You know that song? I do. Yeah. That, I'm surprised you like that one. Yeah, no, that was a good song. The little, isn't it kind of poppy? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just surprised. Well, I'm trying to get into all that here because it kind of took me through uh, some self-reflection. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's hear it. Because it was a beautiful drug, but it was uh, just, uh, it's just the music, his style. So anyway, this LP uh, charted well. Um, some people said it was a good faith effort. It had mixed reviews. Uh, one was called Predictable, which I thought, well, it was heavy as a head isn't predictable. Yeah. Uh, one said it was borderline goofy. Uh, it's borderline goofy gambits are more distracting than interesting. So they, and it's kind of criticizing for doing some experimentation, but didn't take it seriously. So it was kind of all over the board, you know. I think people just didn't know quite how to react. Yeah. And so there's more experimentation going on, but it wasn't way out way out there you know but, do you think that this is a little off but like do you think that that might have been his purpose with it calling it Jekyll and Hyde I do I, I think yeah absolutely I mean yeah to do something with that yeah I find that I was kind of looking for that I didn't find out why hmm. I never thought of it until now yeah no it's a good point and that, I was wondering when I saw that and it's Jekyll plus Hyde so I don't know oh it's both. <laughs> I don't know if that means the same thing uh, let's see. 2017 is the Welcome Home album. It was described by the Taste of Country. I don't know what that is. It's a publication that reviews music. <laughs> How's that? I think. A more uh, mature album and aimed at uh, the older fans. And then I kind of found that it was just, I don't know. I didn't find that one as much as interesting, but. Really? Well, that's my favorite. I oh, thought it was yeah. so good. Okay. You know, and I'll, I'll, I'll put the disclaimer here that I just didn't listen to every album over and over and over again. And so I guess that makes it wrong if I <laughs> was to just, you know, drill on these albums over and over again. And, but so I'm dipping my toe in the water. Nice, nice. <laughs> so it seems like this was kind of a recalibration of his kind of traditional early tunes, but maybe with a new, just, you know, a little bit more polished. So it had uh, My Old Man, do you know that song? Mm-hmm. And Roots. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is interesting. It's 2019 called The Owl, the album, The Owl. And this is interesting. He, he described it as most personal album to date. And it got blasted by the reviews. And there's not country. It's strange. Too much electronica. Here's the weird thing. I really like the album. I can't listen to that album. I hate it. Oh, really? I, hate it. I yeah. haven't. I probably haven't given it like a total fair chance, but the, I've tried and I'm like, I can't do this. This really took me to a weird place. Okay. <laughs> Oh, man. It really took me to a weird place. And, and I don't know. Anyway, I'll explain. So, you know, I was listening to this and I, 
I'm not a huge country fan, but you know, I mean, I you know, I'm kind of like you're learning, and, and you know, there's certain things I like, and if it gets there's a certain point I hit and I I check out, and so he was kind of swerving all over the road for me, and some of the early albums I really didn't get into, and that previous one, uh, Welcome Home, was seemed like it was kind of going back to more traditional and. It just wasn't hitting it. And then all of a sudden, I'm just kind of listening through. I'm just kind of clicking through. And I go, wow, what's this stuff? This is kind of perfect. And this is kind of interesting. And this is way different. And so I started listening to them. And what? This is, I kind of like this. You know, this is all right. And these, and so I started marking those on my playlist. And they kind of dominated my playlist. <laughs> like half of it or something. Oh, my gosh. And so, you know, there's lots of collaborations, which I usually don't like. Um, you know, with finish what we started, Brandy Carlisle, uh, the warrior, the words already on fire. Um, some of the songs in there, I, I thought were pretty good. And so I have to apologize to diehard fans, maybe you of potentially of this band, because I, I understand when this, this album came out, how you feel. This is how I felt like when Styx came out with the Mr. Roboto stuff and David. <laughs> exactly like the this. theatrics. I thought, and... Oh, I thought, what is this drivel? This garbage. It's terrible. They've softened up. It's over. Uh-huh. Well, it was. It broke the band and sticks up. And yeah, that's true. <laughs> I still with Coldplay. And you know we were upset about Coldplay. Coldplay's first four albums I thought were really good even the last the, the Viva La Viva it was a little poppy but they had a really good mix and they still yeah. have and then it's just their most recent album has their you know they're with a boy band there's a you know the mm -hmm. it's a boy band and with Selena Gomez and all this and I'm like this is a band that I thought was the next Pink Floyd and so <laughs> And this is where they're at. And this is where they're parked. I don't think they're going anywhere. So, well, I just remember growing up with you listening to Coldplay. And then I feel like one day I was like, dad, like Coldplay. And it was almost like, we don't listen to them anymore. <laughs> like, like, I know. And it would just, you flipped a switch and I was just starting to get into them. I was like, oh, never mind. Yeah. And so, you know, and like Sticks has gone back to their classic sound and two great mm -hmm. albums. And I'm totally all in on that. And mm -hmm. It's wonderful. It's the best things ever happened in years in music for me. But <laughs> um, so I get it with Zach Brown. You're just dying to, for him to get back on track of what you really like and the found mm -hmm. the foundation of his music. And uh, so I don't know. I just apologize because I like the owl. So <laughs> okay, someone's got it. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah, they you know didn't get much airplay. It didn't sound like and. I don't know. I, th I thought it was actually pretty good, but I totally get it. So <laughs> I need to give it another took me chance. To a weird place because most of the time I don't like when something like that happens. But anyway, they got a new album called The Comeback, and maybe that's all about this. <laughs> maybe he was being brutally honest. And, I mean, uh, probably it was like, yeah. all right, I'm back to the roots. Don't worry. It sounds like that. Yeah, that's what mm -hmm. I have. Oh, it's back to the roots. And there's one song. I haven't listened to much of it. I kind of just scanned through it. But um, there was one song that I liked that was kind of stuck out here. I'll shuffle real quick. But Out in the Middle, I think. Mm. It's called. 
we'll listen to it two times but yeah i haven't given it too much but i had texted you and i was like "Ooh, new zach brown album but i really like it but of course i like his old stuff so mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. so yeah that kind of took me some weird territory there and self-reflection on stuff <laughs> and just kind of confused me about what i usually the route i usually go on this type of stuff well, some fun facts about Sir Zach. Uh, was a camp counselor uh, back in the day. He took classical guitar lessons at age eight. And then uh, his music career really took off as far as what he wanted to do when he was at the University of Western Georgia. I can mention that. Told, told you about the chicken fried um, story. And then he enjoys EDM music. You know what EDM music is? Yeah, it's electric dance music. Yeah, I didn't know it. I didn't. I, I figured that out on my own eventually, but at first I didn't know what that was. So that's like my my cousin Hannah that I brought up earlier. That's her favorite genre. Fun really? fact. Oh, fun I fact. Didn't, didn't know that. Okay. Mm -hmm. A conversation. Um, family life is married, one boy and four girls. Hmm. Yeah, girl, dad, and a boy. Um. He was involved in a drug bust, but here's how it went. So he goes to this private gathering and he gets, he just shows up there. I think it was in, it seems like it was in Miami or something like that. Let me remember. Oh, okay. And so he gets this um, gathering. I don't know if it was a hotel or wherever it was. And mm -hmm. police arrived and arrested a few of the guys right away. And he's like, what's going on? yeah he said i was at the wrong place the wrong time i had no idea about these guys whatsoever <laughs> i was just meeting up and uh you know there's no charges against him and they weren't targeting him or anything he just showed up and they're just big everyone just came okay like that and all sorts of stuff and uh, you know they hauled everybody else off from his little gathering and uh, you know he just kind of <laughs> what happened but, <laughs> he's like all right well guess i'll go home yeah so anyway no, it was good. It was good. To, I, I've heard of the Zach Brown band. I've seen them on the, the country music award shows and things like that. And I thought they were pretty good and just wasn't familiar with their music. So, this, you know, now I will next time I see them. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm all the better. All uh, the better. That's the point. Yeah, there you good. go. Yeah. And you just confuse the heck out of me on some stuff. So, well, I, I mean, if we're off, I'm what? You threw my whole musical compass off and I'm pretty messed up, actually. Wow. Well, yeah. I feel like we've kind of hit a good point, though, with our point for this podcast. I mean, your relationship to that is kind of like me or relationship with sticks and like kind of comparing the two. It's like, OK, like there's some similarities and stuff, but like <laughs> just do very different genres. So that's kind of interesting. Well, so I should have compassion, like with people who like Babe and Mr. Roboto, and I don't. <laughs> I still don't. I think it's inexcusable. But uh, <laughs> so that's really makes me messed up. But uh, uh, make it go you on. Live and you learn. Yeah, I haven't. But <laughs> so okay. yeah. Anyway, that it was good. It was good. It was a good ride. Good. Yeah. Well, who do you have for me next time? I want to tell you first before we get into that. Oh. And I will. But I want to tell her, I just want to do a thank you out to the people, the listener in Peru. 
and mm. listener in Taiwan before we uh, get too far. So we have a listener in Peru and Taiwan. My claps. And our USA uh, listeners in Minnesota and Louisiana now. So. Min- hey, what a good episode to get some uh, yeah. Minnesota people. Yeah, absolutely. I think they knew. They did. The prince was coming. There'll be more. There will be more. We got you, Minnesota people. Yeah, probably Georgia. Probably load up on that. Yeah. So yeah, you know, US is obviously our largest listening group, but we got a pretty nice steady going. <laughs> International, baby. Oh yeah, well, we got the UK, UK, got some steady Scotland, England, and Wales. Yeah. That's cool. And, uh, Germany too. Wow. And Germany's uh, number three on our uh, international scale here. Wow. That's hey. exciting. Welcome, everyone. Well, still, all listeners are from Earth on, you know, on no other planets, but not yet. Yeah. Well, I have for you, I don't know. I've gone all over the place. I, I have three or four in mind. I just never know which one to do. But um, actually, I was talking to your mom about it too. And so um, I have a band that, let's see, some commonalities that, that has something in common with an NBA basketball player from Lake Oswego, Oregon, who currently plays. And then um, the show um, Full House. Am I supposed to be guessing right now? Well, I'm just making you wonder, but um, it's the Beach Boys. Oh. I thought you'd like the Beach Boys. I actually, I thought you were going to give them to me. I remember when you gave me, I think, the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I thought I was getting Beach Boys because you were like, California band. Yeah. They're from Lake Oswego? No, um, Kevin Love. Uh-huh. Is, he's related to one of the Beach Boys. Oh. And <laughs> Could have never guessed. the threads there, yeah. So, yeah, he's one of the, the main people in the Beach Boys he's related to. And uh, yeah, there's all threads there. And then what else? There is, uh, well, yeah. Weren't they on Full House? Oh, yeah. Big yeah. Uncle Jesse fans. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So a little on your assignment. I'll just okay. front load this. Uh, really big in the 60s, but they've been around forever and probably around too long. And so they're still around kind of. Lo- it's getting time to hang it up. But <laughs> to be honest, uh, they're a shell of what they used to be. But and that's probably been that way for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw it, we, I think your mom and I saw him in the 90s. And I, I was still kind of thinking that I was running the course there. But yeah. So anyway, they got a very long history. There's some pretty dramatic storylines going on. You'll find that. So this has got some drama in it. Um, you know, for the music part, I would really concentrate on the 60s. The 70s, you could just do kind of overview. Don't sit and spend all your time going through the 70s and 80s music that they did produce. They did have one big hit in the 80s. You want to know that, but okay, too hard to find. And uh, probably you can watch an episode of Full House. <laughs> probably. <laughs> did you know happened. they did a, or John Stamos, who plays Uncle Jesse, he went live, like they were in concert recently and he got brought up on stage and like oh, yeah. sing with them for a concert. Yeah, they probably needed him. Probably <laughs> needed his talents, but oh man, I'm excited. This, you know, obviously, you're going to really spend most of your the music time at least in the 60s. Mm-hmm. 
maybe some of the more storylines that can go past that. But okay, know, well, good to know. I just don't want you to wear yourself out. <laughs> All these other albums that probably don't weren't the same. Yeah. Okay. Noted. So what do well, I? Well, I'm going to give you. I made a note of this last time where I gave you Zach Brown Band for the end of the summer. And then this artist that I'm giving you now, from what I have gathered, it just feels like a more fall vibe. You know, I think it's more fitting. Um, And so I had told you too, I really don't know much about him. It's a solo artist, um, but I really like his music, but I just don't know much about his background. But he was on um, Armchair Expert recently. So I guess I could say I do know a lot about his background, but not really. Um, his name is Leon Bridges. Heard of Leon Bridges and don't know anything about him. I think you'll really like his music. It's kind of like, it, this is not going to be a good comparison, but it kind of reminds me of like an Anderson Pock. Oh, okay. Like the same kind of like soul, Mm -hmm. like R&B type. But I think Anderson Pock is much more towards like the rap side of things. And Leon's definitely more of like a ballad type. I know nothing about actual music, so I could be completely wrong (laughs) with my assessments. But that's what my brain, that's kind of how I like assess the two. But but I think you'll really like him. And he even did like a duet with Luke Combs. And they did a whole set of singing with each other for each other's songs. And honestly, it was such a weird pairing, but it's so good. Wow. Okay. So I don't know. I, I really think that you'll like him. I don't think he's been around for too long from what I can tell. So you might not have like an extreme amount of background or stuff to listen to, but I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I've heard of him. So yeah, I'm anxious. It's totally new. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thank you to everybody listening. Um, (laughs) Hopefully we'll be back before the next two months, but you never know. Um, And so anyways, yeah, thank you for our new listeners and follow us at tuning.in.podcast on Instagram and we're really bad at posting on facebook but you can follow us there too (laughs) um but yeah anyways have a good day or night (laughs) yeah well thanks for tuning in again and uh, we're hoping we're getting uh, another episode out sooner than this last gap that we have here so yeah (laughs) all right it's gonna you know not as much to do outside so true yeah all right well thanks for tuning in all right see y'all bye